following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sounds strategies to make sense of your financial life answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money brought to you by wealth enhancement group helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity after all it's your money hello i'm Susie jones and welcome to your money if you have a financial question for bruce helmer you can call this number 24 hours a day seven days a week that number is 888 Advice, and you can certainly email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. During the show, you can text our studio line throughout the program, 651 461 9226. You can also call us at that number. Now, here is the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, my good friend, financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Bruce, how are you? Susie. Hi, Susie. <laughs> how are you? You know, I'm great. How are you today? I'm very, very well on this day. Uh, what are we talking about? I... Well, um, thanks for leading me in. And, and you know, um, I'm sure a lot of people, uh, uh, right now, anyone listening, it's either Halloween or it's close to it. Okay. Uh, our, our show airs at different times on different stations or somebody might be listening to a delayed podcast or whatever. But for a lot of people listening right now, it's actually Halloween day. By the way, are you doing anything special? Do you party for Halloween or now that your kids are grown, is Halloween not a thing for you anymore? No, I'm just a, a woman living by myself in St. Louis Park handing out candy. No, I went to a party uh, or last night and we watched The Exorcist. Oh, let me tell I, you. You know what? It's showing our age, but I remember when that came out, and it may look dated now because of technological advancements for movies, but at that time, I thought that movie was the scariest darn thing I ever saw in my life. It was pretty pretty scary, you know, 30 years later, too. I mean, there's still some, you know, you still get on the edge of your seat to wonder what's going to happen next. So, you know, it's funny, too, Bruce, you uh, forget... Like I don't remember that was in it. I, did you remember seeing? You know, we were all saying that to one another. But it was it was a lovely evening. A lot of Halloween. A lot of Halloween candy was had by all of us. So, <laughs> so you're on a sugar high today. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, Bruce, so I, what I thought we would do, and and I got to give my marketing team credit all the time when there's stuff going on in the world. They do a good job of tying those things to personal finance. So Halloween. Uh, the, the holiday that we do scary things and we watch scary movies and there's ghosts and goblins and trick-or-treaters. Well, when it comes to the world of finance, I think people are frightened by a lot of different things. They're frightened to have conversations sometimes with their significant others or people that they should be talking about to their, their financial situation, or they just fear the future. They fear whether or not they'll be able to retire when they want to, they fear that if they are retired, they might be, you know, uh, going to run out of money before they run out of breath. 
So all these things are things that frighten people. And I guess the title today that we came up with is don't be spooked by these potentially tough conversations. Um, sometimes people, when they're fearful of something, they avoid it. And they think by avoiding it, the problem will just go away. Well, the problem won't go away. So confront these things. And we've got some advice today for uh, a lot of people that I know are, are afraid for some of these things, some of these reasons, uh, how to help you face these things and deal with them and, and take them head on. So in terms of talking with someone, you know, that's a tough conversation to have, you know, and sometimes it's harder with people you know the best. And that's why one of the reasons uh, for a lot of people, I think engaging a financial advisor and someone that they didn't previously know or know well, they actually feel more comfortable sharing personal financial information more so than they would with a friend or a relative or maybe even their spouse or significant other. But you've got to have these conversations um, with people important in your life. I, I also think, Susie, too many people don't talk to their kids about money because they think, well, their kids, um, and, and they, what do they know? And they shouldn't know what mom and dad have. And, I've, and I'll talk more about that. But um, we had a philosophy as parents, right or wrong, that we did try to teach our kids about money at an early age. So here's some key talking points. Um, the big one I get a lot in, in, as a financial advisor is, am I on track for retirement? Or you can, you can restate that question a couple of different ways. Am I going to run out of money before I die? Um, and those are legitimate questions, and those fears or concerns are going to be worse if you, again, if you avoid it and you don't look at it. So in terms of saving and investing, uh, I think the, the last stat I saw, 75% of Americans have some sort of retirement savings. So that's good. 75%. Well, actually, I would say that's not good. I think that number should be 100%, but obviously there's reasons why some people can't save and invest, and I don't want to be insensitive to that. But 75% have done some saving, but only 36% feel like they've saved enough. Um, and that stat comes from the Federal Reserve. They, 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 they did a survey. So 36% is a little disconcerting to me. And I gotta be honest here. Um, I know the stats. I know the number of people that, you know, haven't saved and invested, uh, at all or as much as they should. And they're not my clients. So I, while I know it's out there, those are generally not the people that call up Wealth Enhancement Group. Generally, the people that come and see us are people that are already doing well. But because they're conscientious, they wonder if maybe they could be doing a little bit better. Um, but we will talk to anyone, regardless of how good your, or bad your situation is. And nobody should be afraid to talk to a financial advisor because they feel embarrassed or they feel like they haven't saved enough or they feel like the advisor is going to look down upon them. That, that won't happen, at least not at our firm. We'll always be respectful of whatever your situation is. Bruce? And how well, Susie, how well people save and invest really varies demographically. For example, uh, almost 90% of married couples and college graduates are better prepared for retirement than, than folks that have less than a high school education. So we understand that, you know, everybody's different. No two people are alike. They're snowflakes. So your personal circumstances, your income, your, your desired lifestyle, all those things are going to come into play in terms of whether or not you, you've saved enough. And, and how much you've saved 
and how much you're able to save will also influence how you should invest. So if you're unable to save as much as maybe your advisor would like you to or as much as you're able to, if you're unable to do it, then you might have to invest more aggressively to try to get a higher rate of return. And then some people that have a low risk tolerance say, well, then I can't do that because that I can't sleep at night. So, again, you can see why these conversations might be uh, hard to have and why people are fearful. So I, I would ask anyone, you know, again, remember our first question is, are we on track for retirement or are we going to run out of money? Look at where you're spending. If you, if you say, I know I should be saving and investing and I'm not or I'm not doing as much as I want, um, where's your money going? What are you spending it on? Are you spending it on things you need or things you want? As Americans, um, we we all are guilty of this, I think, of buying things that we don't necessarily need but we want and we're sacrificing our future. And, and listen, I'm not one of those advisors that thinks you have to save and invest everything and you can't have fun along the way. Lord knows I like to have fun too. I like to go to nice restaurants or sporting events or concerts and take trips. I, I get that. But to spend money on something um, because your neighbor you know, went and got a new snowblower, so now you're going to go get a new snowblower to keep up with your neighbor, and you, maybe you didn't need that snowblower, you can't afford that snowblower, and that snowblower means you're not going to be able to save and invest any money for the next few months, um, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So we talk a lot about needs versus wants, and a lot of Americans buy a lot of stuff that they want that they really don't need. Um, look at things in your life right now. Do you have a gym membership and you're not going to the gym? Do you have expensive uh, cable TV uh, premium channels that you're not watching or, or rarely watching? Do you stop at the coffee shop every day and pay, you know, four bucks for a cup of coffee when you could make one at home for a dime? Stuff like that, tracking your expenses can really help you find money to save and invest. And there's actually, uh, I'm not particularly technological savvy, but I know there's an app called Mint that's really good at this for people that are technological. Try Mint to, to track your expenses. Like M-I- Figure out where your money actually goes. Bruce. Um, yeah. Like Mint, M-I-N-T, like money at the Mint in Washington, D.C., the U.S. Yeah, Mint. Yeah, for like okay. a Mint, like, like a Mint I have. When I have bad breath, I, I take a mint, M-I-N-T. Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I just... No, not at all. No, we, that's good. We want to give uh, our listeners clarity. So uh, the questions I get and the talking points when you're going to have this conversation, are you on track for retirement? Um, are you going to run out of money? Where does your money actually go? And here's one. Are you aware of your debt load? And... What I mean by this is, and I see this a lot, it might surprise you, Susie, a lot of people don't even know how much debt they have or they know they have a mortgage, they don't know the balance, and they don't know what the interest rate is on it. So I talk a lot about efficient versus inefficient debt, and I know there are some people out there, Dave Ramsey comes to mind, he's way more famous than I'll ever be, there are some people in my world, financial services world, that think that all debt is bad. I don't happen to agree with that. I think some debt is good. Some debt that you take on to improve your situation, to improve your earning capacity, education, college degree, things like that, I think that debt can be good and worthwhile. 
Uh, but but yeah, a lot of debt debt like uh, balance on a credit card to go buy something that you want but you don't need. That's not good debt. So, what is your total debt, and can you make it more efficient? And I would tell you again for the person that says to me, "I would love to save and invest, but I can't. I'm living paycheck to paycheck." That's true in some cases, but I would tell you the vast majority of the time in my career. When I've dug in deeper with those people that tell me that up front, we've been able to recapture some money that they're wasting and be able to put that money to, to investing. And you're not detracting from your lifestyle if you're taking money that was going somewhere else anyway. You're not detracting from your lifestyle to save and invest. So one of the places is what I talked about a second ago. Are you wasting money on things that you're not using, like gym memberships and and expensive coffee and premium cable channels, that's one place. But another place is enhancing the efficiency of debt, lowering the interest rate, consolidating, maybe consolidating high non-deductible, high interest rate, owner's credit card debt, maybe can go, be used um, and uh, put into the equity of your home at a lower interest rate where that interest might be deductible. And that might free up capital. So, so you have the same amount of debt, you didn't pay it completely off, but but your monthly obligation goes down, and now that difference can be dedicated to saving uh, an investment for your future. And by the way, another one about you know this anxiety and this fear about can I retire or will I run out of money? The sooner you start saving and investing, the lower that fear is going to be. And I know there's a lot of people in their twenties or even 30s, again, that would say, I just can't do it. I know I should, but I can't. Um, I would challenge them, again, to, to have somebody help them look at their situation and find inefficiencies and start doing something systematically. And I've even had people say, well, I could maybe free up 100 bucks a month, but what, what's that? That's nothing. 100 bucks a month is 1,200 bucks a year. Do that for 30 years, 35 years until you retire and apply a good rate of return to that, and it grows to a big chunk of money, and it alleviates a lot of your problems and a lot of your fears when you actually get to retirement. Um, another one people need to talk about is healthcare and education expenses. And the reason these are scary, listeners and Susie, um, if you look at inflation, and most people when they cite inflation, they cite the number they hear on the news, and that number is usually the Consumer Price Index. The CPI rate of inflation is a random sampling of goods and services that tells us you know, how costs are going up in the economy. But everybody's individual inflation rate is different depending upon what you spend money on. And I'm here to tell you that healthcare and education have not been anywhere near the CPI numbers, where CPI might be 3%. Healthcare and education have been going up, you know, by a much higher rate than that. Now, again, I don't say that to scare people. I say that to make you aware of it so that you can plan for it. We can't control, you know, I always tell people, and you've heard us say on the show, Susie, don't worry about things you can't control. And you can't control inflation. You can't control what the stock market does. But you can control whether you're saving and investing wisely, diversifying, putting money away, so you can combat the effects of inflation uh, and, and how it might impact you in the future. And then finally, I always talk to people about financial planning. If everything goes well, if everything goes the way it's supposed to, 
is actually relatively easy. If you if you go to an advisor and you get a plan and you follow that plan, you're going to have financial success. You're going to be able to retire when you want to and uh, with the lifestyle that you want and you don't have to worry about running out of money. The problem is life rarely goes the way we expect it to go. Life throws us curveballs. Somebody gets sick. Somebody loses a job. We have a global pandemic. Um, things happen that are unexpected that are hard to plan for. Um, so, again, I bring that up and people are saying, I thought you're trying to alleviate my fear. You're making it worse. You're scaring me. But no, just know that, that there's going to be curveballs in life and have a financial plan that's flexible and adaptable that you'll be able to, to deal with that curveball when it comes and you don't have to fear it because even though you couldn't anticipate it, you, exactly specifically what it was, you knew that something would be likely to happen to try to derail your plan, and you had a plan B of what to do if something like that happened. And then the other thing I just want to mention really quickly, um, statistically speaking, we know that roughly half of all marriages end in divorce, which is sad, um, and we know that oftentimes a contributing factor is money-related issues, and that really should never be the case. If you talk to your spouse or significant other, your partner, and you communicate openly and honestly about what you both want. Um, I, I don't think money should have to be a reason why relationships fail. And the one thing I, I should have mentioned, Susie, and I know we're running out of time, and if we, uh, if we get a text or a call here in the next couple of minutes that we have in the first segment, we can certainly do that. i got a couple of other things to go over, but they can wait. But, I, but this one can't, and I should have led with this. Everything I'm talking about here is driven by core values. What's important to you? What, what makes you tick? What do you, what do you want? Do you want to give money to charity? Do you want to help children and grandchildren? Do you, what, what age do you want to retire? Do you want to volunteer? All these things, your core values are what are really good, going to be the driving factor of your financial goals. And I can't advise anyone on anything if I don't understand what makes them tick, what's important to them. So anytime somebody's sitting in my office, I will say, why are you here? How, what's a bullseye? How do we hit the bullseye? How do we hit a home run for you? What are you trying to accomplish? What are your expectations? What are your goals and objectives? What matters most to you? And sometimes people can tell me right away without batting an eye, and sometimes I get a little deer in the headlights. And then it's my job to help them determine what their priorities are and what their goals and objectives are. Um, and so there's a lot of reasons why I love my job, and that's that's certainly one of them. When I see the light go off in their eye and they get it, and they go, oh, okay, now I get it. And then we devise a plan to help them get where they want to be when they want to get there. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, yeah. To think we got about a couple what minutes. What, 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 do you have any questions yourself, or do you got any texts or anything? Well, I was just going to say that I, it's interesting because you know, that idea of goal setting is so important, and I had kind of an aha moment around exercise because I was exercising, and the person asked me what my goals were, and I said, I want to be able to walk up the steps of a, you know, of a Mayan rune in some city and not have achy joints and not run out of breath. So that was my visualization for the goal, not to be, you know, 120 pounds and have no body fat. That's probably not going to happen in my life. 
Well, yeah, not at our age. It's not. But, but to, yeah. to, to f- the financial piece is the same thing, is to try to think about what it is, that core value that 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 moves you. So it's it's a wonderful thing. I am actually coming on Friday um, this week to uh, meet with the gang over at Wealth Enhancement Group to start talking about my situation because I think it's important that everyone, gosh, you know, just like you said, Bruce, get a look at it. Get a look at it. Don't be afraid to look at it. And I liken sometimes going to a financial advisor like going to the priest. You know, you you cannot. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like you just, you're almost embarrassed. Like, oh, you know, gosh, I don't want to tell you how much debt I have. I don't want to tell you that I only have X, Y, Z saved. But it's the best thing to do is to get it all out there because your head in the sand is not a very good retirement plan. Absolutely not. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned exercise, and there's a lot of parallels. We can exercise by ourselves, but we probably do it better if we get professional help. And you can try to manage your own money, but you're probably going to do it better if you get professional help. And then lastly, and I know we're uh, coming up to a break, but, the, you know, you mentioned a priest, a spiritual advisor, uh, a counselor, a marriage counselor, a psychiatrist. These are all hats that financial advisors actually kind of wear with our clients, and it's very, very important, again, to be sensitive uh, and be able to, to walk in someone else's shoes to be able to advise them. What I think or what I know is irrelevant. It really gets down to the individual client, and they have to do things that they're comfortable doing. So uh, I know we're headed for a break. All right. It is founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Bruce, welcome back. Thank you, Susie. I appreciate that. And uh, we'll get listeners involved really, really quick here. So, uh, again, I want to quickly recap the first half of the show if you joined us late. Um, Being that it's Halloween or close to Halloween, depending upon where you are and when you're listening to us uh, today, um, we talked a little, we're talking about uh, not being spooked by tough financial conversations. In the first half of the show, we talked about knowing whether you're on track to retire or not and can do it safely without running out of money. Uh, we talked about um, no, all, but what precedes all these things I'm about to mention is knowing what's truly important to you. What are your core values? What do you want out of this life? What are your goals and objectives? And then it's easier to determine uh, what your what your financial plan should be. So. Know whether or not you're on track, knowing where your money's going right now. If you're not saving investing the way you think you want to or the way you think you should be, why aren't you? Where's your money going? Uh, getting a handle on debt, making it more effective and more efficient. Debt in and of itself is not a bad thing, but we want to make it as efficient as we possibly can. Uh, we want to manage uh, inflationary aspects of cost of living going up going forward, particularly on health care. In education, if we've got kids that we need to uh, educate and if we want to help them with college or not, those things are going up uh, at, a, at a pace far faster than the normal rate of inflation. And then finally, plan for the unexpected. It sounds like an oxymoron. How can I plan for something if I don't expect it? It's by, by definition, it's unexpected. Well, we don't know specifically what will go wrong. But something will go wrong in our lifetime. There will be curveballs. There will be global pandemics and job losses and unexpected illnesses and unexpected deaths and so forth. So 
in terms of who you have these conversations with, again, I mentioned this a little bit in the first half of the show, but you have to involve the people important to you in your life, your partner, your, your kids when they're old enough to understand. Um, I also mentioned in the first half of the show, don't let financial disagreements end a relationship. Now, let me give you some something specific about how you can do that other than just communication, which is the key to everything we're talking about today. Bruce? But, yeah. I want to remind you we have textures and a caller. So as you go through your list of tips for people to follow in this process of making those uh, sometimes scary conversations and how to get them started, just be aware we've got some folks yep, that I'm want to home stretch, Susie. I, okay. I'm almost done, and then let's take the call. Okay. So um, so with, with regard to relationships, try to create a, a budget. Talk about what's important to each of you. Set goals. And, and discuss your future together and what it looks like. And, Susie, you said something in the first half of the show. You used a word that I love, visualize. Visualize, look at what, see in your mind's eye what you want your life to look like. Where are you living? Um, what, what is your lifestyle? Are you traveling? Are you volunteering? Are you, do you have a job after retirement that's intrinsically rewarding to you and you don't care about the paycheck? And then I also mentioned... I'd give more uh, advice about teaching children the importance of money. So talk to them at a young age. Um, help them determine how they're going to use their allowance if you give them an allowance. And I like an allowance not as a reward for anything, but as a tool to teach about money and communicate with your kids. And don't ever say to your kids, no, we can't afford that. That scares them. Um, say things like, well, that's not in our plan right now, or that's something you want, it's not something we need, or it's not your birthday or Christmas right now. We'll talk about that when it's your birthday. But but don't ever give kids the impression that they also should be afraid of money. Say things that are that are positive and uplifting and, and, and don't scare your kids, but talk uh, to your kids. And uh, I guess that's all I've got other than, Susie, I figured out, you know, we always tell them, they can call 24-7 at 888-6-ADVICE. Yeah. I figured out that some people might be confused by the alphabet. So 888-6-ADVICE is 888-623-8423. That number, 24-7, they can leave a message and ask a question, and we'll probably address it on this show. 888-623-8423. But today, right now, if they want to talk to Susie and I right now, 651 651- Four six one nine two two six. Susie, you said we had a caller. We do. I'm excited to say Scott is on our line. Scott is actually calling from New York State. Good morning. Hello, Scott. How are you? Oh, not too bad today. I'm calling about my uh, mom. My mom and the farm. My dad passed away three years ago, but my mom's attached to the farm that's pretty run down and stuff. My nephew's living on it's in central Minnesota. It's got a tillable acreage, about 300 acres. But he's a kid, uh, nephew, I'm kind of disappointed, hasn't worked for about two years. So mom's been paying all the bills, fixing up the place and this and that. But money she really, I'd like to have her not used so she can have it until she, until she no longer needs it or until the long-term care uh, policy kicks in. Yep. But anyway, I was wondering, what would be the best, if she does happen to run out of money, what would be the best way to get money? Would it be borrowing against the land? Or doing something else? Hey, Scott. Scott, are you still there? Yep, I'm here. Is Who's farming it now? Is she renting the land out for cash rent? Yes. 
Some of it's cash rent, and some of it's in the CRP program through the government. Okay. So this is a delicate question, but it's not one. Uh, it's one that's not uncommon at all. And by the way, Scott, thank you for listening, and thanks for calling in. Um, economically, and, and I'm from farm country. I'm from Olympia, Minnesota, in Renville County. It's probably you know as good a farm land as there is in the state of Minnesota, almost as there is in the country. So I know a little bit about farming, although I was a, I was a town kid, not a farm kid. And the 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 price of land, as Scott knows, and a lot of listeners will know, can vary dramatically. Uh, up and it goes up and down like a lot of things, like a lot of commodities, like a lot of investments. It doesn't just go up all the time. And a lot of that value is driven by crop prices and other external factors of supply and demand and so forth. And I've actually taken a shot at buying farmland a couple times in my life in an auction situation. And in the auction price, the bid went to a place where I wasn't willing to go. So I don't own any farmland. But from a purely economic standpoint, and don't tune me out, everybody, because I'm going to come back to the emotional part of this. From a purely economic standpoint, if you looked at, the value of the land, and I don't know what a, what a price per acre is right now, and you look at mom's income from from her renter and from the CERP program, as a percentage, I'm going to guess that that number is pretty low, maybe 3 or 4%. I, I don't know that. I'm speculating a little bit, but I bet I'm in the ballpark. So then you say, but, you know, um, mom's spending money right now because, the cash rent and the money from the, you know, from the federal program is not enough income for her, and she's dipping into her assets, and we wish she didn't have to do that. So from a purely economic standpoint, if she sold that land, that infusion of capital, she'd never be able to spend all the money. She could have fun trying, but she'll never do it. And then, then you've got cash going to kids and loved ones and who's ever going to inherit mom's estate instead of farmland. Now, I can already hear people screaming at their radio. I also understand growing up in Renville County that sometimes there's an emotional, sentimental, multi-generational farm family attachment to the land, and you would never sell your farm. You just wouldn't. But who's going who, to run the farm? It, it sounds like the, the cash rent isn't working. It sounds like there's maybe a relative that um, could be involved, a nephew, that, that, but that situation doesn't look good. So you have to ask yourself economically what's best for mom, and then emotionally can mom and the family deal with that. And then the other thing is, uh, Scott mentioned it's 300 acres. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Maybe you can sell 100 acres or half of it of the tillable acres. But there's no doubt in my mind that the proceeds from that land sale would set mom up for the rest of her life and she'd never be able to spend all the money she's got. But I also am not insensitive and I understand how some families, that's just not going to be an option. Um, so then you have to have a family meeting and say, look, who's going to get involved with, with running the farm? Is there a way? Can mom raise her cash rent? Can mom do this? You know, there's, there's probably other options. But if I'm looking at it economically, I'm pretty comfortable telling you that selling the land or selling some of the land is probably the best economic solution, not the, maybe the best human emotion solution. All right. Thank you for that. At 651-461-9226, that is the text 
line. It's also the number you can call if you want to jump in, as Scott did, calling from New York State. We appreciate that. Appreciate people listening. And, you know, they're listening across the country online, so we appreciate that. Uh, this texture writes, I max out my wife and my IRA, Roth IRA, annually, and I'm looking for more options for investments with tax-free money when I pull it out. Your thoughts on that question? Yeah, thank you, Susie. So um, just to be clear, Roth IRA um, is only tax-free under certain conditions, and those conditions specifically are you have to allow the, the money to accumulate or stay in your Roth for at least five years or until you reach age 59 and a half, whichever is longer. Let me give clarity to that because that's a convoluted sentence. So if I'm 50 years old and I open a Roth IRA and five years later I'm 55, I say, okay, I got my five years in. I can take tax-free withdrawals from my Roth IRA now. No, you can't. Uh, You're not 59 and a half yet. It's five years or 59 and a half whichever is longer. Or if I put money in my Roth IRA at 57 and two and a half years later, I'm 59 and a half, I go, okay, I'm 59 and a half. I can take tax-free money out now. Eh, No, you got to wait at least five years until you're 62. So under those circumstances, and only under those circumstances, is the Roth actually tax-free. So I just want to clarify that because people throw around this tax-free and, and a Roth is actually technically tax-deferred, but tax-free if you use it properly, and that's how you use it properly, how I just described. In terms of other tax-free or what I would call tax-advantaged options where you can invest without any tax consequence, I can only think of two. Number one would be municipal bonds or municipal bond funds. Um, you might be able to get both uh, state and federal tax exemption on a bond. And before you go run out and buy them, um, you also need to understand that, number one, uh, a, a municipal bond or a municipal bond fund is probably going to have a lower interest rate than some of your other investment options. So even though you're getting tax-free, what's my net return? If So in other words, if I could go get uh, a muni bond or muni bond fund, municipal bond, and it's paying me 3%, and I go, boy, 3% tax-free, that's great. Or I could have an investment that makes, uh, just to make the math easy, I'm not guaranteeing or promising the, that every investment makes 10%, but I, but if I could make 10, which is not unrealistic in, in the stock market, and even if I'm in a 30% tax bracket, I still net seven, that's a lot higher than three. So municipal bonds are something that we use with some of our clients, but they tend to be highly compensated, high net worth clients that are in a high tax bracket because they get higher benefit from that tax-free treatment on their muni bond portfolio. So that's one option that's tax-free. And the other one that people don't think about is cash value life insurance. Now, again, before you go out and buy life insurance, there's certain disadvantages and certain extra costs there. But for a young person who probably, let's say a young couple just getting started, Life insurance probably serves a couple different purposes because you probably want the life insurance protection that if one of you suddenly dies before the other, that the survivor is not financially devastated, that the life insurance provides that infusion of capital. And by the way, death benefits on life insurance policies are always income tax-free. 
But then also, if you fund a life insurance policy for a lot of years and you build up a lot of cash value, you can also use that cash value potentially income tax-free as well. And, and a lot of people don't understand that, Susie and listeners. They think life insurance is something I have, and then I die and somebody else gets the money. But it's not called death insurance. It's called life insurance. It's called life insurance for a reason. I can use it while I'm alive. I can use that cash value or that equity in the policy, and oftentimes I can use that without any income tax consequences. So the only three options that I can think of, and I, I don't think I'm missing anything, would be cash value life insurance, municipal bonds or municipal bond funds, or Roth IRA if we want to avoid taxes entirely. All right. We have another texter. This person writes, I'm single, on my own, no kids. Should something happen to me, am I supposed to have something written down somewhere as to where the house will go? I would I would say yes, but you take it from there. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Susie. So, yeah, there's a lot of different uh, things you can do with regard to real estate or the home that you live in in terms of uh, making sure that that asset goes where you want it to go. But at the end of the day, what will cover that and everything else, it, it's just an old-fashioned will. You, you want a will. And I get that if you don't have any dependents, a will is probably less critical than if you have a spouse and children. You know, But if, if you're alone... I would say it's not as urgent, but it's still important. And the, and, and, and the, the, the text kind of answers the reason why within their own text. Because if you don't have a will, or what, what lawyers would say, if you die intestate or without a will, the state that you live in, so this radio show origina- originates in Minnesota, I live in Minnesota, if you die intestate or without a will, the state of Minnesota decides upon the disposition, uh, where you're at, how your assets are distributed, your house and and everything else you own, your bank accounts, your investments. But if you have a will, the will can determine who gets what. It's a written legal document that says, here's who's going to get my house. My my five nephews are going to get the house. They can sell it and split the proceeds equally five ways or whatever. You can say whatever you want. Now, an important thing that people, again, sometimes don't realize if you have investments or bank accounts, you have money in uh, financial instruments, you always want to name a beneficiary, or sometimes a bank or a, a brokerage house might call it a POD or a TOD, payable upon death or transferable upon death. But you always want to uh, uh, dedicate who's going to receive these assets should you die. Because, again, if you don't and you don't have a will, the state of Minnesota decides. But if uh, if you have named beneficiaries, that's going to be the legal precedent. So even if you have a will, let's say you have a will and that's inconsistent with your beneficiaries, the beneficiaries will take precedent. The people that will get the money are the people that are named the beneficiary on that legal document. And you can actually do that with a house. You can do transfer on death deed and other, other things with real estate. But again, the will covers everything, um, including your baseball card collection or your stamp collection or your, your coin collection or your, or your favorite uh, photograph. You know, those are things that you can't name a beneficiary on and, and you can't do a legal document like you can with the house or other real estate. And that's why you want a will that just sort of covers everything 
And if you plan it right, the terms and conditions of the will are consistent with the named beneficiaries on your investments. But you really probably need to do both. And Susie, I can't tell you the number of times in my career that somebody, a new client that comes in, either there's accounts that they don't have beneficiaries on and they thought they did, or they do have a beneficiary, but it's not who they thought it was. It's not who they want it to be. So I encourage everybody listening right now, go check your beneficiaries and make sure you've got it how you want it. Well, we appreciate that information. I know it's kind of a a bit of a wake-up call, you know, to tidy up. Make sure you're paying attention. Once again, going back to these conversations that can be a bit scary on this Halloween, uh, because it's really important. As we said at the onset of the show, burying your head in the sand is not a a good strategy when it comes to your finances, because ultimately, with just seconds left here, Bruce, um, it ends up just being a big mess, right? And we have about 30 seconds left. Yeah, thank you, Susie, and I'll tie a bow on this. You're right, and and again, I see people all the time that just don't want to confront it, and and you know, not just financial. Maybe it's health. I don't want to go to the doctor. I might find out I'm sick, or whatever. you know, not confronting something is not a solution. Burying your head in the sand is not a solution. Confront this. Most of these problems you might have, most of these fears you might have, are solvable with a good financial advisor. Go get help. So on that happy note, we're going to tell you that if you have a question for Bruce Helmer as we near the end of this program, you can always call the number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number, 888-6-ADVICE, or as Bruce mentioned earlier in the program, 888-623-8423. And that is the number to Wealth Enhancement. Certainly you can also email your questions as well. That Email address is your money at wealthenhancement.com. Wonderful people at Wealth Enhancement. They will walk you through the steps of your lives each and every day. Bruce, I like the idea as we wrap up here to visualize how your, you want your life to be going forward. Visualize financially. Absolutely. And I can't wait to hear about your experience and be honest with us. I will bring, I will confess my sins. No. <laughs> Bruce, have, have a, a great week. Yeah, you too. Take it easy. That is Bruce Helmer, and you are listening to Your Money. Brought to you by the Wealth Enhancement Group here. And have a, make it a great day. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc.